Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. I am Josh Clark. And there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And that's uh, Stuff You Should Know. Let's all go home. <laughs> Some people are probably already home. Well, go to bed. Okay. You told me that in an email the other day. Go back to sleep. <laughs> I don't get that. Are you just being goofy? Yeah. Okay. Just lightening the mood. I gotcha. Go back um, to sleep. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Hey, Josh. I have a story for you. All right. Let's hear it. So uh, last November, not too many months ago, stop looking. <laughs> you just listen. All right. Uh, there was a Carnival Cruise liner that uh, had a little fire. The Carnival Splendor was on a seven-day trip to the Mexican Riviera. And about 44 miles off the coast of Mexico, it went adrift because a fire in the engine room just knocked everything out. So they lost power, which means it was basically just like um, being on an abandoned boat, but filled with people. A ghost ship? A ghost ship. And filled with not just people, filled with 250 magicians who were on a convention. <laughs> um, that sounds like my idea of hell on earth. <laughs> okay. Uh, in addition to the magicians, which uh, apologies to any magicians listening. We've got we ice sculptures melting. You've got magicians that can't find their rabbits. Um, you've got um, toilets that don't flush. Ugh. You've got um, cabins that are um, stuffy. Yeah. You have um, warm food. Or warm drink? Yes. So Carnival, in their credit, did um, give away free beer and wine and, and all that, but it was warm. So for three days, all these people were beer. just sitting adrift. Yeah. Right? In, in a very, uh, just, uh, they weren't very happy. The U.S. Navy flew sorties out to this um, this ship and dropped off supplies. <laughs> they dropped off canned lump crab meat they Yum. dropped off pop tarts yeah they dropped off a little something called spam Good. canned meat uh-huh and when the ship was finally uh, i think towed back to uh <laughs> port sadly the uh, people dubbed this crazy vacation what do you think do you think they ta- they they dubbed it the pop tart cation no do you think they dubbed it the <laughs> lump crab meat cation no, of course no. not. They dubbed it Spamcation 2010. Yeah, that's like Chad's story. Our buddy Chad was on a cruise, remember when he was younger, that the power went down. He never told me this one. Oh, yeah. He said it was like Sodom and Gomorrah for a couple of days. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He said that people were uh, having a lot of fun. And engaging in sodomy. Just and Gomorrah me. <laughs> Having a good time is what he how he characterized it. That's crazy. I wonder if he just didn't realize that it would have been like that either way with the power on or off. He was just exposed to the power off part. I don't know. He he kind of made it seem like that with the power down, pe- people just, it was a little nutty. It was sort of mm-hmm. like the end times are here. We're on a cruise ship adrift and let's just have, have fun with each other. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been on a cruise, you? No. Yeah, I'm not a cruise guy. Yeah, my dad's—he's turned into a cruise guy. He and uh, he and my stepmom are into cruises, but they <laughs> yeah, well, my dad's way into them. Every time they go, they come back with like a stomach bug or the flu or just yeah. something. Apparently, they just—it's like the um, epidemic just goes through like crazy, yeah, yeah. like wildfire. My friend Andrew in New York, or from L.A. but from the Bronx, Andrew has—he uh, showed me a videotape of his. Grandma, I think it was his grandmother, maybe it was his aunt, 
this, you know, like the old Jewish lady in New York talking about a cruise. Mm-hmm. And she was explaining about the cruise and how much it costs and how much you get. And she was like, it almost costs. He said, she said, it costs more to stay at home. <laughs> like she thought it was cheaper to go on a cruise than to just live her life at home. Huh. Well, she does live in New York. It was very funny, though. Yeah. I, I didn't tell her right. But <laughs> Andrew, if you're listening, I still remember that. And if you're listening, Chuck, sorry for that one. I am. So that was Spamcation 2010, and of course they named it Spamcation. Spam, the food, by the way, if you were hoping to hear about spam email, sorry. We'll mention that. We'll mention that briefly, but uh, this is about the iconic potted meat. Right, which, by the way, Chuck, next July 5th will be its 75th birthday. July 5th, 2012, it was introduced to the public May 11th. 2012, it will have been 75 years since it was trademarked and technically born. Yeah, and then I know in 25 years there will be a uh, spamtennial, is what they'll probably call it. Yes, which will be spamtastic. <laughs> so, Chuck, um, let's talk about spam. It's shrouded in mystery. No one has a clue what's in it or in what degree or Not what true. it's made of. So, Chuck, what is spam? Uh, Josh, spam is a pinkish brick of meat that is canned. And it is, uh, we actually do know what's in it. It is pretty easy. It's uh, 100% pork shoulder and ham. Yeah, and ham's from the butt, right? It's from the rear uh, hind legs and rear end of the pig is what ham is. Uh, It's also got a lot of salt Uh because you need that to help uh, flavor and preserve the meat. And got a little bit of sugar for flavor and uh, water. And then a tiny amount is what they say on the Hormel site. They use the word tiny. A tiny amount of sodium nitrite. Which keeps the botulism away. It keeps the botulism away, and it also keeps the pinkish hue, because if not, uh, spam would turn gray. Which is not very appetizing. It's They're doing their best to keep it pink. So um, I, I don't know that the pink or the gray with spam specifically would make a difference. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the grabster, for some reason, who wrote this article, how spam all works. all the good ones. Um he he didn't he left out potato starch for some reason. Oh, was that in there? Yeah, potato starch is in there too. I did not see that. Yeah. Uh spam has a Hormel on the website says the shelf life is indefinite. No. Yes. Wow. They say it's indefinite. They recommend you eat it. It is stamped uh, within 3 years of the stamped because <laughs> the flavor quote gradually declines. Wow. <laughs> it declines to the bottom of the can. Yeah, but it's still edible. You just shake it up, I'm sure it goes right back. Yeah. Yeah. That's really something. So should we do history first, or should we go into the production? Um, we seem can, to make sense to do history first. Well, let's do history then. Okay. You know, before it was called Spam, there was a product on the market um, called Hormel Spiced Ham. Did you I, know that? I did not know that. And it wasn't selling very well. Well, because Hormel was in the fresh meat uh, biz. Right. And apparently it's just it was hard to make your name in the fresh meat biz because... It was just kind of all the same looking. Right. Like, look at this turkey breast. Right. It looks like the turkey breast next to us. I imagine they still have the same problem today. Yeah. But... So they decided to get into the canned meat business. Well, that was George Hormel's problem. Jay Hormel was the one who said, well, let's just, let's, yeah, get into canned meat. And he was the son of, of George, the founder. And this was in the late uh, 1800s in Austin, Minnesota. Yes. Which is still the home of um, Hormel. Yeah. Right? And where it's one of two places it's produced. No, there's a few others. Oh, they added some? Yeah, there's uh, South Korea, Denmark, and I can't remember where the third one is. Okay, in North America, you're right. Uh, Fremont, Nebraska is the other place. Right. 
So, um, Jay Hormel is, I guess, the, uh, he comes into his father's business and just revamped it and, and probably kept it going today. Canned meat, see? Exactly. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons why he got into canned meat was because they were just not able to make a name for themselves in the fresh meat, but also because he came into the, the business um, during the Depression. And there was a lot of um, thriftiness. Yeah. So people wanted something that um, was cheap and delicious that they could feed their family. But meaty. Right. And Jay Hormel gave them spiced ham. But it wasn't called Spam at first. Like I said, it was called spiced ham, right? Yeah. Well, he had he had problems at first um, packaging it because it took a lot of trial and error because canning meat, it was a pretty new fangled thing at the time. Right. And uh, apparently cell walls... The heat would uh, call salt. Yeah, we need to point out that spam is cooked. Yeah, it comes like you can eat it right out of the can. It's cooked. And I have already. Have you? Oh yeah. Man, not me. I mean, I haven't eaten spam literally since college, but we used to take it on camping trips and fry it up. Well, yeah, that's not right out of the can. No, but I could also eat it out of the can. I can eat it fried. Circumstances. I have never eaten it out of the can. Yeah, it's you know, it's the taste is the same, but man, fried. Like I was remembering that taste today. I mean, it's been 20 years, though. Or probably not, 15. It's been a lot less than that for me. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yumi's family's from Okinawa, and Okinawans are crazy for spam. Really? Oh, yeah. Like Hawaiians. Yeah, we'll get to that, too. Uh, so uh, the cell walls would break down and, and release the water from the meat. So what would you, you would have was is dry meat floating in water, <laughs> which is pretty gross. It'd separate. Yeah. Because the cells would lice. That's right. Which is not good. So over time, they figured out the canning process, uh, which meant a lot of salt and the uh, precise uh, temperature that you need to cook it at to preserve it uh, to where it is moist. And it also has to be mixed and canned in a vacuum, which is really important. That's the key. That's the key. If you Yeah, if you mix it and can it in a vacuum, you should be okay. And speaking of key, remember when you needed a key to open it? No. I wasn't alive then. Yeah, you were. It wasn't that long ago. It was, I wasn't paying attention to spam. Yeah, there was a key. It came uh, attached to the can, and you would take off the key and insert it into a little thing and roll it back. Like uh, I guess like old sardine cans used to do the same thing. Okay, yeah. No, I've seen that on like cartoons from the 60s, <laughs> but I didn't know spam had that. Spam keys. Huh. Uh, before they went, I guess, with the pull tab. Like was that like a giveaway, else. though? Like a spam key? Like you'd send off for it, or were they, no, they it sell them at, at the store? It came attached to the bottom of the can. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Man, those are the good old days. It was self-contained and fairly explanatory. All right, so Jay Hormel figures out how to can meat. Yes. But he's not... He's He was a born marketer. The guy sold... Um, he came up with Hormel's chili con carne. Oh, really? And he hired a 20-piece Mexican band to go around the com- the country, <laughs> like, touting its goodness. And that was Los Lobos. Uh, right. Um, Gypsy Kings, I think. Oh, okay. And uh, so, like, he he would come up with great publicity since he, he was good at marketing, but he was he was hamstrung <laughs> by um, by the name Hormel Spiced Meat. It wasn't selling well. He had, the, he, yeah. had the, he had it figured out. Uh, and he later on kind of messed a little bit with the recipe to come up with Spam as we know it today, but there was something similar called Hormel Spiced Ham. So he was having trouble um, coming up with a name, and he had a New Year's Eve party, right? Yeah, well, he had a contest before the party. Yeah, and it, it yielded nothing. It yielded names like Brunch and Baby Grand. Right. And he was like, <laughs> we, we can do better than this. Baby Grand. Right. Um, 
And we should probably give a shout out to Nito Rama, who had a pretty good little blog post about it. Oh, is that where you saw it? Mm-hmm. Um, so Hormel's like, we need to do better than that. I'm going to have a New Year's Eve party, and I'm going to tell my guests that I will. They can get a free drink yeah. for every name they write down <laughs> on a slip of paper. Uh huh. And there's a quote from him saying that along about the fourth or fifth drink, people started using their imaginations. Right. I imagine so. Uh, and finally, a an actor named what was his name, Chuck. His name was uh, Kenneth uh, D-A-I-G-N-E-A-U. Dagnew? Daniel? Daniel? Daniel. Daniel. We'll go with that. Okay. Uh, He was a Broadway actor, uh, Uh I believe. Um, He came up with the name Spam and won 100 bucks. Yeah, he had like uh, five slow gin fizzes Mm -hmm. and then came up with Spam. Right. And won 100 100 cash, right? Mm -hmm. And that was it. I guess he had to sign away the rights. Oh, I'm sure. Right there on the spot. Yeah, he's like, I'll sign it. Yeah. Spam. Yeah. I wonder how he came up with it, besides the fact that he was drunk. It's enshrouded in mystery. It's lost to mysteries. A lot of, if you go onto the spam official site and they're like, what, what does spam mean? And there's a lot of, there's a lot of conjecture that it means things like, um, uh, something posing as meat. Yeah. Like it's an acronym. Not true. Um, or that it's, uh, it stands for, um, stuff, pork, and meat. Okay. It's another acronym. Apparently there's dirty ones too. Yeah, but what we need to point out though, again, that spam is not some weird mystery meat with all sorts of like disgusting parts. It's, unless you think pork shoulder and ham is disgusting. Right. I mean, we know what's in it. That's true. Um, so apparently it's lost to time. They think it's just basically taking spiced and ham and put together. But again, if you go on the official spam website, they're like spam meets spam now. Right. That's what we're going with. Sure. Um, so that's where the name came from. It was 1937 that uh, Hormel trademarked it, introduced it to the public, and it started to take off pretty well. But it was actually aided by um, an, a, an obscure act by the U.S. Congress that, that was passed in 1941 called the Lend-Lease Act, right? Did that have something to do with the exportation? It did. So in 1941, America was neutral still. In the in what was becoming World War Two, right, and they the Congress passed the Lend Lease Act, saying that the president had the authority to send uh, weapons, supplies, and food to countries that were fighting the Axis power, which effectively reversed the neutral neutral stance we had, right? Yeah, and spam's a good thing to send because it's uh, you can have it forever. It's in a can that can get dented up, and yeah. uh, soldiers apparently could eat. A lot of it. And not just soldiers, people in other countries. Yeah, it was in restaurants. They shipped 100 million pounds of this stuff. Yeah. So Hormel was like, hey, we've got a bunch of stuff for you. Give us a contract. And they did. And it became ubiquitous in World War II, especially in the Pacific, right? So two things are going on with the GIs. Mm -hmm. Well, two things are going on with World War II. One, the GIs are eating this stuff or what they thought was spam morning, noon, and night. And hated it because they got so sick of it. 
And secondly, it was also being shipped to countries that were part of the Pacific and European theaters. And then after World War II stopped, these people had developed a taste for spam. Well, yeah, even the soldiers that hated it came back and they were kind of like, oh boy, now I kind of miss spam. <laughs> they could really go for some spam. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So World War II is like this incredibly strange, perfect marketing platform for spam. Yeah. Uh, and then right after World War II, apparently Jay Hormel recognized what was going on, and he he um, let out another advertising blitz back here in the States, and that was it, household name from that point on. It was a perfect storm, if you will. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, now, does that explain why it's popular in Hawaii and Japan, because of the Pacific yeah. thing? Yeah. Okay. That's what and especially in Okinawa, um, there have been Marines there forever, and um, apparently anywhere the American military goes and has like a very big open presence in yeah. the local population, spam's a big thing. But for some reason, people of Asian descent are crazy for spam. Well, they make it, I know in Hawaii, they have it in uh, like sushi rolls and stuff like that. Imagine they do in Japan, too. Yeah, it's, um, I haven't seen it in Japan. Spushi? Yeah, it's called um, <laughs> Sam, Spam uh, Musubi. It's a slice of Spam okay. on a slab of rice wrapped in nori, yeah. which is uh, seaweed. Sure. There's your, sa- your oh, that's spam it. Nothing sushi. else. That's it. Not even a, like avocado or roe or anything no. like that. No, it's spam, man. All right. <laughs> is it cooked or is it raw? It looked cooked in the picture I saw. Well, I'm sure you can find it any way you it's want. It's all cooked, but it was for, like cooked again. Right. Okay. Um, and in it, in Hawaii, also at Burger King and McDonald's, you can find like spam <laughs> rice and <laughs> eggs yeah. on their menu, their breakfast menu. Yeah. It's everywhere. It is. It is ubiquitous, and they are nearing their eight billionth can of spam right pushing it out there yeah all right so that's the history oh we should also say the hormel corporation is um often like alleged often has alleged unfair labor practices and stuff like that these days oh really um but jay hormel was dubbed by i think fortune magazine the red capitalist because he was really progressive with labor relations. In a good way? Yeah. There was like a three-day strike once, and he, he had a, a platform built so he could meet with the labor leaders, and he hammered out things like um, an annual wage, uh, a 52 weeks notice before termination for workers. Wow. A year. Like a year from now, you're going to be laid off. Huh. Um, profit sharing, all this stuff that was unheard of. He became like a really, like, and he managed to create really good relations with his employees, which helped, you know, get them to really work hard to churn this stuff out. I'd say 52 weeks is almost foolish as an employer. Yeah, because when it nears, it's like, <laughs> no, no, we need you. Right. Yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's the spam history. Now we should talk a little bit, Josh, about spam production because it's pretty neato. Uh, like we said, Austin, Minnesota, and Fremont, Nebraska is where it's made here in the States. And it is such a highly automated process that apparently it only takes 13 workers yeah. to run the Spam Factory. Yeah. And imagine a lot of those are shaving, trimming ham because uh, Ed says pig pieces arrive <laughs> at the plant. Uh, machines... From across the street. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. is it really? Yeah. They grow the or grow the pigs. They they grow and kill the pigs across <laughs> the street. Uh, the machines remove the pork from the bone, but the ham is trimmed by hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, they grind it up into eight thousand pound batches, flash cool it, blend it and mix it with the other stuff, and then pipe it. I always love it when <laughs> meat is piped. Uh, pipe it to a conveyor belt where it's pumped in a can and sealed shut right off the bat. Right, and then it's cooked. Right. 
It is cooked. In these, um. In the can. It's cooked in the can. Right. In these six story cookers that can hold up to like 66,000 cans at a time. <laughs> which is something because I think they, they, all of the, um, the capacity for all of, I think, five spam factories uh-huh. is something like, um, 44,000 cans an hour. Wow. So they need this huge capacity to cook that many cans at once. Your stomach's growling. <laughs> I would eat spam right now. <laughs> I almost I thought about bringing some in because we kind of regretted have. with the Twinkie cast not eating Twinkies live on the air. But um, yeah, spam. Jerry, do you have any spam? I'm fresh out. She's fresh out. Okay, nothing fresh about it. Uh, so it is cooked <laughs> in the can uh, that kills the bacteria and obviously cooks it. Uh, wash it and cool it. And then applied the plastic label. Uh, it used to be lithographed on the can itself, mm-hmm. which I remember. And it had a different picture. It had a loaf of spam with cloves in it. Yeah. And now it's a spam burger. I prefer the old picture. Yeah. And that the the, litho- the lithograph went away in I think '97. Mm-hmm. And they went with probably the cheaper plastic wrap. Yeah. On the can, I imagine that's why they did it. Lithography is not cheap. Um, and then it is shipped all over the country. And then they license it. Like I guess they. They probably don't ship it all over. Well, they probably ship it to you different know, the countries. the ones here, the two, and the one in Nebraska and the one in Minnesota supply North America, South America, and Australia. Okay. Yeah. And they That's say a lot. on the Hormel website, if you've ever wondered what Spam tastes like, it is a, quote, wonderful combination of a savory, salty, sweet taste that will make your taste buds dance. I know. They did a lot of self-promotion on the official website, if you ask me. Dance and taste. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> It was like, did you go through all the questions? It was like, yeah. how should I eat spam? Eat delicious spam any way you deliciously spamly want to. Spam. Uh, they have a museum, of course, the Spam Museum, which is free, uh, which is as it should be. And, and it sounds awesome. Did yeah. you read the Roadside America article on it? Yeah, and I looked at some of the pictures, too. It's it's cool. Like yeah. It's a cool museum. There was one guide on the Roadside America article named John who seemed to tell it like it is. Like, he talked about the hog place across the street. He's like, they slaughter 20,000 head of hog across the street there every day. It's like at the Spam Museum. That's and, in the Spam Museum? Or yeah, just... it was one of the guides. Oh, wow. And uh, he, apparently they employ retired Spam factory workers as guides. And this guy was just like a straight shooter. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so if I you guess, go, you yeah. should ask for John. Oh, really? That's what I. That's what I gathered. I can't wait to hear from people from Minnesota about this that live near there. I wonder what the oh man the smell that gives I'll off. Bet it stinks. <laughs> uh, so let's get to the health benefits of uh, spam. It's not healthy. It's not. Apparently, a twelve ounce can, which is the standard size. Yeah, there's two sizes: the twelve and the nine. Uh, seven? The, the seven, but if you're eating spam, you're you're going it's, for the twelve. Yeah, that's the one you normally see. Sure, the twelve ounce can. That little twelve ounce can has six servings in it. Yeah, I would say that's about a slice, roughly. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'd say like a sort of thickish slice mm-hmm. is a serving. So there's six of them in there. Six, so so one slice basically has thirty a third of your recommended intake of daily of sodium. Yeah, so a full can is 198% of your daily sodium intake. Yeah, that's two times what you should be eating. Yes. Um, it has a lot of saturated fat, a lot of fat, and a lot of it is saturated. 96 grams in total in a 12-ounce can, which, and you always got to do the Big Mac comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, a single can of Spam is 
a little bit less than three Big Macs. Wow. Stuffed in that little can. Wow. <laughs> uh, they do have reduced sodium and light versions. They do. We need to point that out. Who's eating that? The health conscious spam eater? <laughs> yeah. I mean, surely people are eating it. Yeah. They're going down the grocery store aisle and going like, I, I could go for some spam, but I really should watch myself right. and I'll get the spam light. All right. I need to point out, in fairness, we're we're making some jokes here about spam eaters, but there are poor people who rely on things like spam. And I just want to point that out. I don't want people to write and say, you know, like like I used to have one when I worked at the uh, Golden Pantry in Athens. I would have these uh, daily, like, cheap hourly workers come in and buy like potted meat and spam. Vienna sausage is huge. And they would spend literally like the little pack of crackers and the potted meat yeah. was their lunch and they would spend like a dollar fifty on it because mm-hmm. they couldn't afford anything else. So we're not <laughs> making fun of those people. We're making fun of rich people who eat spam. I'm not making fun of anybody. <laughs> okay. Um, and actually if you bring that up, because you brought that up, spam was born out of the depression. Yeah, well, exactly. And apparently now during the recession, its production is through the roof again. See there? It's, demand is just crazy for it. So we're not mocking, but spam, and they, they seem to take it, I mean, it's all advertising for them. They've embraced the the uh, culture of spam mm-hmm. and everything that it entails. And it's just so, it's the cheesiest meat around. It's impossible Gross. to not make fun of. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. It's a pop culture icon, which is why we're doing this podcast. Exactly. We're not doing one on, uh, well, I guess we could do one on Vienna sausages. Also made by Hormel. I ate one not too long ago at, at uh, the School of Humans. <laughs> wow. They served Vienna sausages at their uh, little rat party. Nice. And uh, it, they taste exactly the same as I remember. I've never tasted one, but I can tell just by looking at it exactly what it tastes like. It's sort of bologna-esque. Yeah. In a tube All right, so uh, there has been some research that suggests that potted and processed meats might increase the risk of cancer. Yes. The you know, FDA still says, no, no, it's fine. But right. there's 2005 was a big year for that. Was that the University of Hawaii study? Yeah. And they found that 67%, uh, you're 67% more likely to develop uh, pancreatic cancer if you consume large amounts of processed meats. Right. And the reason why is because of that sodium nitrite. That's what they think. Sodium, well, this is, this is why they think it. It's, um, correlated, right? Sodium nitrite itself is not a, cor- a carcinogen. That, that preservative that they put in? Yeah. Um, but if you combined nitrite with amines, and amines are found in meat, um, when they combine and they're metabolized and they combine, they form nitrosamines, nitrosamines. Yeah? Yeah. Man, I wish I would have said that right the first time. Those are carcinogen. Most of them are. Um, I, I can't remember who did it, but somebody sampled 300 um, nitrosamines, and 90% of them were carcinogenic. 
Um, so we can make, we, as as far as people think, um, nitrite into nitrosamines. So if we're eating cured meat, we're converting it into a carcinogen in our body. That's the fear. Cured meat or processed? Processed cured meat, but okay. anything that has um, sodium nitrite in it. Right. Bacon, cooking bacon makes it carcinogenic by under this logic. Right, right, right. So there isn't like a, a direct um, causal link, which is why the FDA is not doing anything. Surprise, surprise. But the logic is there. That's where the fear comes from. Okay. That's where the fear sets in. And uh, we mentioned that that was done by the University of Hawaii, and that is because, as we said, Hawaii and Hawaiians love their spam. Do you, you have any stats on that? Uh, yeah. What was it? Uh, I think the for I, every Hawaiian, they uh, they eat six pounds of spam per year. I think so. They definitely eat. I'm sorry, three pounds. So, so I've seen different numbers here. I saw six cans per person per year. If you spread it out across the population evenly. Okay. As a whole, the state eats 8 million of the 100 million cans that are made, uh, that are consumed in the U.S. every year, which seems low. Yeah. I got all sorts of, it's all over the place. The numbers are all over the place, but Hawaii leads the nation in spam consumption. Well, and they said it's far and away, so they didn't, they didn't tell me who was second place. Um, I imagine Georgia ranks. It's probably up there. Top 10. Scrapple. I'll bet Georgia leads in Scrapple consumption. I bet California is pretty low on the list of Spain. I would think so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, Hawaii is crazy for it. If you can find it at a McDonald's, uh, it's it, that means that it's part of your local culture. And remember in 51st Dates, it was a big uh, big thing? Uh, sort of saw that, but don't remember the spam references. It was, uh, yeah. Anytime they were at the restaurant, there was like some spam joke. Okay, I think I might have checked out at like the 25th first date. It was a cute movie. (laughs) That Drew Barrymore. I love her. Uh, We have to mention Monty Python's Flying Circus. Yeah. Because they, uh, A, had the Broadway show, or have, Spam a lot. Mm -hmm. Is that still running? Uh, I think so. Somewhere. I'm sure it's on the road. Big hit. And in the 1970s, their awesome show, The Flying Circus, was... uh, they had a very famous skit about spam. <laughs> Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it again today. It's hilarious. I'd seen it before. I think my favorite part is the beginning when the couple just <laughs> comes down on wires yeah. into the chairs. Yeah. I liked that. Who played the wife? Was it Terry Gilliam? No. Uh, I think it... Oh, shoot. I can't remember his name Was now. it the other Terry? Terry Jones, maybe. Okay. I'm not sure. He was hilarious in it. Yeah. I hate spam. <laughs> and the joke was that there's uh, spam is uh, on the menu all over the place in this diner in England, and that there's also a big group of Vikings that start singing a spam song right in it, the diner. It's just 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 type in Monty Python spam and yeah. go for the one that has three million views. It's vintage. Um, a little uh, back to the history for a second. Um, Hormel was so involved in the war effort that they had a wartime mascot called Slammin' Spammy. I did not see that. Which was an armed pig throwing grenades. Really? Yep. Wow. Ostensibly at um, Hitler. Oh, of course. And Tojo. Sure. Yeah. Hitler, yeah. You gotta throw spam at Hitler. (laughs) No, throwing grenades. (laughs) Oh. They weren't made of spam? No, they were grenades. Oh, okay. He was like, he he didn't even look like a cute pig. He looked like a, a, like the kind of, 
pig you'd see like uh, painted on the front of a, an airplane in World War Two. Okay, I thought it, they were throwing like spam grenades. No, no, you wanted to keep the spam from the Nazis. Oh, because that course. would help them. Yeah, you don't want them to you enjoy. Want to, you want to rain death upon them, not spam. Right. Right. That makes sense. Although, if you drop spam from high enough, it would kill you. Yeah, I guess that wouldn't be very good marketing if they're throwing right. spam to hey, try Hitler, and stop the enemy. Catch. <laughs> Uh, what else we got? We have, well, we should talk about the email, um, version of spam and where that came from. Uh, the story I got is that in the early days of the internet, uh, remember bulletin boards? Mm-hmm. If a bulletin board user wanted to, uh, scroll you off the screen, they just started typing spam and copy pasting it until you were removed from the screen. Huh. That's what I heard. That's a good one. And then, and they got that from the Monty Python thing, evidently. And in early chat rooms, same thing. Uh, it was initially called flooding, and then simply spamming, and then eventually the email version came around. Nice. And it does not stand for stupid, pointless, annoying message. Yeah, that's stupid. That's just a falsehood. That makes me want to beat someone up. <laughs> uh, what else we got? Uh you, my personal experience with spam has been pretty pleasant. Let's hear it. Um, let's see. I've had it in curry. It's very, very good in curry with rice. Nice. Um, I, when I was in Switzerland once, I had uh, Metzger Rosti, which is one of the greatest things I've ever had in my entire life. It's um, like fried hash brown potatoes, slice of fried spam, fried eggs, and then this oh, divine gravy. That sounds so good. And I ate that as often as I could. Surely I've mentioned it before. Metzgeroshti. You throw some french fries on there and you're at uh, Permanis. Yeah, I've never had Permanis. Uh, Muppet Treasure Island featured a character um, called Spam, S-P-A apostrophe A-M. Is that what that was on? Yeah. Okay. And he was a big um, warthog who also wore a necklace of shrunken pig heads. Hmm. So that kind of ties back in with our shrunken head thing. So he was nuts. He was nuts. And the Hormel company sued the Jim Henson company uh, for, quote, a noxious, appealing wild boar who was, quote, intentionally portrayed to be evil in porcine form Hmm. named Spam. I guess they called him Spam. And the Henson company was like, we're just kidding around. Like, can we settle this? It's get a sense of humor. And I think... It was settled. I don't. I don't think either that or they just lost the lawsuit. Yeah. I got a world record for you. Oh yeah, let's hear it. Richard Lefevre, or <laughs> Lefarve, ate six pounds of spam in twelve minutes. Wow. And I think he holds the record still. Wait, hold on. You keep talking. I'm going to do some math. And there is, uh, if you want to go, there are different um, spam festivals. But I think the Big Daddy is in Waikiki, the Waikiki Spam Jam. Um, there. Just tell their eighth one in April, and I believe they hold it every year in April, and that is where lovers of spam congregate to trade recipes and uh, spam-related products like T-shirts and mugs and Christmas ornaments and just all things spam. There's spam sculpting contests too. Yeah. Um, how many? How how fast did that guy eat? Six pounds. Twelve minutes. He ate um, eight cans of spam, eight twelve-ounce cans of spam in twelve minutes. Then. So what's that? What's the sodium in that? <laughs> oh, uh, I didn't do that math. Well, if that was 200% of your daily intake in a can. per can, so he ate eight 
hundred percent. He ate sixteen hundred. percent. Yeah, sixteen hundred percent of his sodium intake for the day in twelve minutes, and he lived to tell about it. As far as I know, yeah, he's alive and well. Let's spam. I got nothing else. You know what? I'd like to do sometime Barbie. I'll bet that would be fascinating. That lawsuit you mentioned like made me think of Barbie. Mattel loves to sue anybody and everybody they can. Do you just want to push push their buttons? No, it's just interesting. Yeah, we've had. Um, I sort of like these pop culture ones. We had someone say uh, we should do uh, peanuts. Charles Schultz's peanuts. That you know, I one. looked into that, and I may be writing the article, so maybe we'll do that. That someday. would be awesome. Yeah, and we're long overdue. Rights. Yeah, we're long overdue for the Doctor Seuss podcast too. Okay. Well, there you go. Keep listening because it'll eventually get better, okay? That's what we just basically promised. (laughs) If you want to learn more about spam and read about Ed Grabinowski's take on it, he tries it for the first time while he's writing this article. And there's a step-by-step picture graph of how to make a fried spam and cheese sandwich. Just type spam. Actually, we should probably do everybody a favor. Go to your favorite search engine type spam food yeah and then how stuff works and it will bring up the, the spam article is it the number one hit it's it's on it's up there but it's tough to find on our site because so much computer spam articles oh, come up sure. uh do that in and then go into the handy search bar and type whatever you want and i i said handy search bar so that means it's time for listener mail yes josh i'm gonna call this uh from Kristen, our 16-year-old fan from Toronto, mm-hmm. which is in Canada. <laughs> uh, she has she sent us a really nice email about how she listens to it with her family and how she learns things and uh, all the different things she's learned. And then she got to a P.S., which I'll skip to. Uh, P.S., I've always wondered, how do you guys distribute your information so evenly between the two of you? Maybe it's just me, but I remember in elementary school, almost every group presentation ended in either tears or a fight because someone spoke more than their fair share. Uh, I know you guys aren't in the fifth grade anymore, but you seem like nice civil guys. But be honest, have you ever had any disagreements off the air over someone stealing the thunder? And if you haven't, how do you avoid that? Because your listeners would want to know. Put this on the spot. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just, it's equitable, you know? Some shows uh, might speak a little more some josh does and it's just it does no good i think you grow up a little bit and you realize this just it's silly to think of things like that yeah and i think by doing that we've just kind of even out and i think also if one of us gets the impression that we're talking too much we usually tee the other one up yeah that's pretty much it it's kind of a boring answer wouldn't it Ta-da. It, it's it's just not being in fifth grade anymore i think i remember i don't think i wanted the spotlight in the fifth grade like, I think I was one of those that was like, I'll write it, and you... You were like the evil genius behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dance puppets. Yeah. Yeah. So there's your answer, fishbulb. Uh, if you have a question for us, you want to look behind the scenes, it's fine. Who is it? Kristen? Kristen from Toronto. Thank you, Kristen from Toronto. Um, if you have a question for us, you want to peek behind the scenes, we'll answer anything. But we probably won't, but we'll say we will. Because we like interesting questions, right? Agreed. You can send them to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 